What is good? Welcome to Spiritville Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life, and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast. Before we dive in today, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, this is your reminder. Go ahead and do so now. It doesn't cost you anything, and it will bless some other people. So go ahead and subscribe. And when you do, don't stop there. Visit julianapage.com forward slash podcast and submit your information on the form there so that you can claim your free gift. I'll make sure to get a free devotional, the God's Vibes Matter devotional over to you as soon as you do that. Secondly, if you have not heard about Courage Co. or registered for Courage Co. yet, what is going on? (laughs) Courage Co. is a community that is off social media. It's one of the reasons that I love it. So you don't have to have a social media account. You don't have to be concerned about all of the notifications. It's actually an app that is off social media that you can access from your desktop or your phone, and it is free totally free. And there are challenges that happen in there. You get updated about the prayer calls that happen every other Wednesday and lots of other things that you can plug into as well. So much value. Again, doesn't cost you a thing. It is called Courage Co. You can find it over at julianapage.com under the work with me tab. There is a direct link there to register. You will be asked to create an account, but there is no fee to get registered. So go ahead and do that today as well. Again, that's julianapage.com under the work with me tab. Now for today, we're going to talk about looking for love in all the wrong places. Places. Anyone? <laughs> Can you admit that you have done this before? You've looked for love and it seems like all the wrong places, right? That ain't it. That ain't it. That definitely ain't it. That ain't love, right? I've looked for love and in all the wrong places. And here's the thing. We are all human. There is still a tendency in all of us to look for love in all the wrong places. What do I mean by this? We have a tendency to forget that we are love (laughs) and that we are deeply loved, supported, guided, protected. And when we don't live from that place of wholeness, from that place of sonship, from that place of knowing and deep, deep security, really, and safety, and peace in a lot of ways. What we do is we look for love in all the wrong places. We look for love outside of ourselves. We look for people to love us some kind of way. And when they don't, we get super frustrated, angry, resentful, unforgiving, 
right? And just keep stacking that. We look for people to show up the way we want them to, when we want them to, and when they don't meet our expectations, we get all sorts of upset and discouraged, right? We look for love in all the wrong places. Often, people even get in relationships for what they can get. They don't go into the relationship in order to give. They go into relationships looking for what they can get. Now, when you think about relationships and the purpose of a relationship, right, it's to grow together in Christ-likeness, right? You've you've read about what love is in the Bible in Corinthians, right? 1 Corinthians 13, you've read about that. However, do you actually practice that? Do you remember that? Do you call that to mind? Do you meditate on that? Do you check yourself on that, right? Meditate on God's word day and night. Do you do that or do you hold people to that standard, but you don't hold yourself to that standard. A lot of times that's what we do, right? It's easier to manage other people's business, but when it comes to our own, suddenly we're no longer experts, right? We just ignore it, we push it down, we just don't deal with it, right? Here's the thing, there is some goodness that I'm gonna share that if you apply this to your life and actually receive it from an open heart and an open mind, you absolutely can experience a lot of transformation in your relationships before your next relationship, just even with your relationship with yourself, okay? So one of the things that I want to offer here, fun times, I've had people, just personal vulnerable story here, I've had people ask me, this happens often too, for the record, when I go and get my nails done. (laughs) So most recently, I went to get my nails done And this was just the craziest thing. I had a woman asking me, why aren't you married? Do you have a boyfriend? Like, what's going on? You're beautiful. Like, you're so young. How old are you? What's what's happening in your life, right? Now, I will say that no matter where you are, you can always execute your boundaries. You don't have to share anything. You can shut that down if you need to. However, I do also know that this is somebody that I've gone to the salon for a minute. I know that she's very well-meaning, just very sweet. So at any rate, she was asking me, do you want to be married? And so my response is, I think the better question is, do I want to be a wife? Do I want to be a wife? Now, if you're hearing me, there is a distinction here, okay? So when you are... A lot of people do this. A lot of people want to be married, but they never ask or question themselves, do I want to be a husband? Do I want to be a wife? Okay? And this is a big deal because when you say those vows, right, there's half of the vows that we somewhat ignore or or just are not paying attention to, right, in the beginning of the stating these vows. So, for example... For richer or for poor, of course I'm in for the richer. That's super exciting. But for the poor or when one of you is in a situation financially that you're not proud about and you're really, really struggling, like, are you still going to be there? You're like, peace them out, right? Are you still going to honor somebody when they're not financially where you hoped or expected they would be? right? Are you still going to show up? Are you still going to be there? Are you still going to honor them? Are you still going to represent them well and speak highly of them specifically in public, right? 
Are you still going to do that? Are you still going to be a partner or are you going to judge and condemn and criticize and control and try to look for ways out, right? For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health, okay? A lot of us do not plan for, for things to decay. We don't plan for dysfunction. We don't plan for things to not go well, okay? And when they do, are you still going to be there? right? That's something to very much consider because a lot of times we don't. And wouldn't it be great for your partner to know when you actually say those vows that you you mean them because you've thought through it thoroughly. You've actually weighed it and you've decided I'm going to be in or I'm not. You know what? Like I'm actually not cut out to be a wife or I don't desire to be one or I don't want to be a husband. That's just not a commitment that I want to make. I actually don't want to be there, right? That is way more honoring and freeing than agreeing to something that ultimately you don't want, okay? So that was a huge thing. Now, the other thing that I get asked a lot too is do you want to have kids (laughs) or do you have any kids or what's your plan about that, right? And so again, here, same thing. I would say the better question is, is do I want to be a mother, because you can have kids and not be a mother, okay? Like, there's actually a role that a mother plays, right? And, and there's a, a calling, there's like a knowing that that is like literally what I am on this earth to do, okay? So if that's the case, then that is something that would be a hard yes or a hard no, right? There's usually not in between or let's just see how it goes. Hopefully that is something that you've actually thought about, okay? So I just wanted to offer those examples because I think a lot of times we we say things like, I just wanna be married. And it is really easy to actually go get married. It doesn't take a whole lot. You don't even need a whole lot of money to do it. You can make that decision in a day if you wanted to, quite honestly, but when you actually weigh what that means. It's an entirely different reality. Or when you also consider the role that you would then be stepping into and what that requires of you. And you actually prepare for that ahead of time. You actually consider all of that ahead of time and have those answers to those questions. Very different life experience and evolution than having not done that. And you can just be more honest and transparent within your relationships, okay? So I just wanted to offer that as an example. But a lot of times when we go into relationships, we don't fully think through all of these things. We don't ask ourselves these deeper questions and then we get into situationships, quote unquote, right? Or situations or even relationships, right? That are not healthy, that are not what we want, but we never actually were clear on that in the first place. And then we blame somebody else for that. Okay, so just want to offer that in case that is valuable to somebody. Again, if somebody is asking you a question that you don't have an answer for or that you don't feel comfortable sharing, you never are pressured to do so. You never have to answer. Okay, so now the other thing that I want to present before I give you some things to consider about looking for love in all of the wrong places is a culture of honor. I think it's really important when you think about relationships that God loves whoever you are in relationship with. God formed, shaped, and anointed this person. This is God's child, okay? And a lot of times, particularly in conflict or in challenge, we don't view somebody that way. (laughs) 
we don't see them the way God sees them. We're not looking through God's perspective at all. We're not even praying for them. We just feel some kind of way about them, right? But that is really, really important to keep in mind. And when you do, it is easier to actually honor somebody when you see them the way God sees them, okay? So this is another key or a great nugget to share with you that practicing a culture of honor is something that's really important. Honoring somebody is actually like a muscle. It's a practice and it's a mindset, okay? Honoring somebody is a practice and a mindset. Okay, so if you think about it high level, the kingdom of heaven actually operates like a family, right? So even as you've gone through the word of God, God chooses to use family language and family terminology. He says, Father, and we are God's children. We are God's son, God's daughter, right? We are brothers. We are sisters. God uses family language when describing the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven operates like a family. So even if you didn't come from a healthy family, you can look to the word of God for examples of how to show up and how to develop healthy family. You can also find really great mentors that make this plain. One that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head is Danny Silk. Danny Silk. He wrote a book called Loving on Purpose. So powerful. Definitely recommend go giving that a read. But the kingdom of heaven operates like a family. It's also like a muscle. It's something that you practice every day. When you don't practice it, it atrophies. Okay, so it's a practice. It's a mindset. It's just this determination, this decision in your mind that no matter what, I'm going to honor this person. Okay, so I've used this in many different ways. careers (laughs) or different jobs that I've had where I've had to submit to authority that I didn't agree with and that I didn't appreciate. Okay. I didn't have to like it, but I still chose to honor. And in choosing to honor, I was able to shift a lot of what was happening in the culture. Didn't happen overnight. This is definitely years (laughs) of showing up and being honorable, right? We can honor somebody because we're honorable. Okay, because God has made us honorable. We can honor other people. So knowing that I had the capacity to honor, even though I wasn't being honored, I could still show up and be honorable. One, because that would develop the character of God in me, but it would also shift the culture. And I had that spiritual awareness to show up that way. Okay, and you can only really develop and adapt a culture of honor if you have a value for it. So for example, if you don't have a desire to really love somebody, you're not going to honor them straight up. Like if you don't have a value to love somebody, you will not honor them. Okay. And so the culture of honor is really an outcome that we see. We choose to see people according to the glory of God, according to the glory that's being revealed in them. We don't choose to just see them for where they are. We choose to see them for God's glory being revealed in them and what's what's God's standard for their life. And we call them higher to that. We don't just enable poor behavior. We don't avoid it. We actually confront it, but we're confronting it from love. And often that's private and one-on-one. We don't dishonor somebody publicly, okay? So when you think about honor and what it means to you, 
I'm getting to how we look for love in all the wrong places, but honor is a huge piece of this. So just track with me for a second. But when you think about honor and what it means to you, honor is often respecting somebody, holding someone in high esteem, seeing their value, right? That is typically what we'll, we'll hear from people if you were to ask them, what does honor mean to you? Now, what does that look like practically though, right? It could actually mean listening to somebody and being present with them. It could mean supporting them. It could mean supporting their dreams or celebrating accomplishments that they have versus being jealous or criticizing them. It could be encouraging them. It could be complimenting them. It could just be making space for them in your life. But it is something that is practical. That's what I want you to get. Again, this is a muscle. It is a practice. It's a mindset. It's something that is very practical and that you develop. And so honor means seeing someone the way God sees them and honoring them accordingly or treating them accordingly. Again, if you see somebody the way God sees them, it is really hard to not honor them. (laughs) Honor is usually organic or it just flows organically when you are seeing somebody the way God sees them. Okay, so a great place to actually study about honor, if this is something that is really resonating with your spirit, is in Romans 8. Romans 8. Particularly, I would highlight Romans 8.14 and Romans 8.21. But there's a lot of family language in there. It's talking about the glory that's going to be revealed in us as sons. It's talking about how there's really a community of right seers were able to see people well because we believe that everybody is redeemable, right? Like nobody is ever too far too far gone. And this is often well this is what is taught in the garden, right? That redemption is possible. Nobody is too far gone, okay? But there are some misconceptions just like with love, especially if love is something that's thrown around quite a bit. There are some misconceptions about honor. One is that I'm just going to be nice. And personally, I don't even know what that means. Like, I'm just going to be nice. Like, there's there's a lot of spiritual depth to being a kind person, okay? Like, there's many reasons in the world. We don't have to look for them <laughs> too hard. There's many reasons in the world to not be kind. Tons, actually, right? But just being nice quote unquote, I'm not entirely sure what that means, right? Is that something that we just decide? How do we determine what being nice is? Kindness is actually a character quality. It's something that's developed. It's something that you choose, okay? So for example, when we're just being nice, typically what that means is we don't confront things, we avoid things, we enable bad behavior because we want to be nice, right? But honor actually confronts because, again, it sees others according to glory. But honor also has boundaries with it. And boundaries are an important part of really creating a culture of honor because boundaries protect. And a boundary is really a gate with fences, okay? So it's saying, you know what? These are the things that I have responsibility to and for. And because of that, I put boundaries around this so I can honor those well. Okay, so it's not just being loosey-goosey, if you will, with things that are priority to you. It's actually really stewarding those well and taking care of those and knowing the boundaries that you need so you can take care of those things well, okay? 
And culture of honor and just honor in general serves, but it doesn't always obey. Okay. So an example of this is in Daniel 6. Daniel honored and served, but he didn't always obey authority. He obeyed God. Okay. And we really honor people. This is important to know. We really honor people by calling them to God's standard. We help them become their full potential in Christ. Okay. Now, something to pay attention to and how this is connected to looking for love in all the wrong places. When our emotions, when there's let me look at it this way. There are, are areas in all of our lives where we have emotions that are very high and it's harder to have brave communication or confront things in love, right? We'd rather just avoid them. However, you can recognize this. When we, we struggle, right? We often struggle to see others through the lens of grace when our need is high also, Okay, so when we have a high need and we have something going on there with somebody else, the anger and offense can build very quickly. And this often happens in positions of authority as well. So I'm just going to give you two keys or two cures here that you can use. And this is something that's very practical to, again, recognize that you are love and that you can shift something, okay? Before I give you some other wisdom nuggets, these are some cures when you're finding it really hard in a certain area of your life to honor, to love, to confront in love. When all of that is really difficult for you, here's what you can do. When you are struggling to see somebody through a lens of grace, you can ask God if you need something that they can't meet and how God will meet that need. So for example, often this happens again in positions of authority. So you might feel like you need something from a boss, okay? And you can ask God if you need something that this boss can't seem to meet, how God is actually going to meet that need for you. So for example, I was once treated very poorly in a work environment and I desperately needed a shift and it was one that I couldn't create. I did confront in love. I wasn't, um, it wasn't honored (laughs) and I really was at a loss to, to really determine how to shift that atmosphere or how to create a different result and, and bring forth change. And what I didn't want to do was I didn't want to go down the path of really allowing impurities to enter in my heart and creating even just a a really a worse environment, right? Let me put it that way. So I just prayed and I did this. I asked God for what I needed and uh, I asked God how he was going to meet that need. And I also just requested that God meet the need, right? Like this is not happening through this person. How are you going to meet this need? And please do X, Y, or Z or something better by this time in Jesus' name. And a powerful testimony from from that prayer to the date that I gave God. He did it literally two months prior to the date that I gave him. And he completely protected me and brought forth a solution that I didn't even have to initiate. And I was totally honored and supported all the way through. It was beautiful and I didn't have to say another word. I didn't even have to confront again. It just was God handling it, okay? So ask God if you need 
something that that person in authority can't meet and how God will meet that need for you, okay? Now, we can also struggle to see others' divine purpose when we take too much responsibility. So this is often like fear and control operating, and it often happens with people in our care. So this usually comes up quite a bit with family. But the cure for this, you can ask God what he wants you to see about the person so that you can also then decrease your control and let love come back out of you. Because <laughs> we are not being loving when we're operating out of fear and control at all, okay? And they're really, this is a writer downer, there really is no influence if there's no honor. There's no influence if there is no honor. So you can ask God what he wants you to see about that person, and what will start to happen is that'll decrease your control so that love can flow out of you again, okay? Now, a huge key when it comes to loving people versus looking for love in all the wrong places, treat someone the way God treats them in your mind first, okay? You won't have to work as hard to honor people in your actions. It will actually come naturally if you deal with what's happening in your mind first, okay? So it starts with your thoughts and it starts with your prayers. That's where honor starts, okay? All right, so a fun exercise too is to take these two challenges that I gave them and specifically apply that to your life. So whether it's struggling to see others through a lens of grace or whether it's struggling to see others divine purpose, okay? You can ask God if there's something that you need that they can't meet, how God will meet that need, and you can ask God what he wants you to see about the other person, okay? So honor is really, really important. What happens when you focus on honor is it puts the responsibility and the ownership back on you to be a loving person because God designed you, right, to be a loving person. <laughs> and God made you honorable so you can honor others, right? Just like God, God's nature is in you, you can be forgiving because you are forgiven, okay? So you can give what you have and partner with God, you have way more than you can think or imagine, okay? So culture of honor is really important, again, for putting that ownership back on you to come home to love. Love is you, love is inside of you. You can come home to that all the time rather than looking for that on the outside of you, okay? So a couple of things to make this even more practical, I just wanted to give you that biblical truth and backing there, right? Because some things that we think are facts aren't God's truth. Some things that we think are facts, quote unquote, aren't God's truth, okay? So some things that are really good pointers in relationships so that you can look for love in the right places. <laughs> Again, look for what you can contribute, not what you can get. This is huge about just developing God's nature in you and working out your own salvation, okay? But here's some pointers in relationships. If you don't already have these as guideposts, I recommend writing some of these down and considering practicing these or implementing these in your life. Number one, deal with issues as they come up, okay? The, the reasoning here is you want to deal with things before they get big. You don't want to ignore them. You don't want to push things under the rug. You don't want to just play nice quote unquote, to avoid feeling uncomfortable. You want to deal with issues as they come up. 
you don't procrastinate emotionally, okay? Because if you don't allow for unfinished emotional business, then you always keep the slate clean. When you constantly like push things down or avoid them and don't deal with them, you just keep stacking this discomfort and all of this emotional unrest, which turns into resentment and a whole slew of other things that just aren't healthy. And it creates a huge divide and disunity and just a playground for the enemy, okay? So deal with issues as they come up. Make that a principle or a best practice for you to operate with. Number two, make your plan outside of crisis to resolve problems, okay? What I often hear is the scripture that is very much widely quoted, which is don't go to sleep with your anger, or like don't go to bed while angry, that scripture. Here's the thing, make a plan outside of crisis to solve a problem, okay? Because the same level of thinking that created a problem is not going to be the level of thinking that solves it. This is true emotionally too. When have you ever solve something in a healthy, progressive way when your emotions were running very high. Probably not ever, okay? So that is not the time to try to handle a crisis or solve a problem, okay? You can have a tap-out word. You can have a way to de-escalate, but you don't actually have to solve something right as it's happening. But you can sleep on it, and when emotions have subsided, then you can decide how to handle it. But the key here is not to let it go days and weeks at a time without addressing it, okay? But do it when emotionally you're in the state to do it, okay? Not when your emotions are super high. Number three, agree on an objective when you disagree, okay? So know that you're gonna disagree in any relationship. Know that things are gonna come up and you don't have to agree, okay? So for example, when you disagree, the objective could just be be heard, That could be the objective. I don't need you to agree with me. I just need you to hear me. It's not to get somebody to submit to you or to follow what you think they should do or, or, you know, they must agree with you. That's not the plan at all. You can actually just have an objective to be heard so that there can be understanding there without necessarily having to solve anything. Okay. A lot of times that's all we need. We just need to be heard. Okay. Number four, I believe. One, two, three, four. Okay, number four. Do not set up win-lose situations, right? Because do you really want to have a win-lose situation with your partner where one of you is the loser? Nobody wants to be in a relationship with a loser. And nobody wants to be made to feel like one. Okay? So don't set up a situation where there's a win or lose. There's a you know, right or wrong, a good or a bad, do not set up those dynamics in your relationship, okay? Number five, resolve that if somebody has to stop being all of who they are to be half of a couple, that the price is too high, okay? Let me, let me say that again. Resolve that if someone has to stop being all of who they are to be half of a couple, the price is too high. Okay, so people have a range of who they are, of what their personality is like, of what their character is like, right? But you don't ask 
people to be someone they're not. And you don't punish them for not being who you're expecting them to suddenly be. So for example, you married somebody for a reason. It is not fair to start asking them to become somebody that you want and need now when you actually really loved certain qualities about them when you married them. Okay? So don't ask somebody to change to make you happy. Nobody likes that. And that is not a productive way to build a relationship. Number six, build quality time and intimacy. Build quality time and intimacy. If you've not heard this before, intimacy is into me see. Are you building space in your life to share what you wouldn't share with anybody else in the world, to build trust and uniqueness? I I really model this after relationship with God, right? Like I'm not going to trust God. I'm not going to know God if I don't invest in developing a relationship with God, period, right? And that that has been true in my life. Like I didn't know God. I didn't have a relationship with God until I decided that that was a priority for me and that was valuable for me and that's what I was going to build my life on. And that's what was going to change my life. The one strategy, if there is one, that's going to change my life is developing relationship with God and staying connected to that relationship. Hashtag God's vibes matter, right? <laughs> it's being less of, of me and I and myself and all these things and more of collaborating with God and who he says I am and how he created me and how I can accept more of who that is and be more of who that is in the world. Okay, but I needed to be able to see into God and allow God to see into me, to come to God with my vulnerabilities, to come to God with my fears, to come to God with my pain, with my hurt, with my questions and being open to God listening, to God revealing things to me, bringing revelation to me, to God guiding me, to to being willing to take steps of obedience and just step out and find out in faith, right? And developing a track record with God that has grown my trust and my dependency and my level of surrender in my relationship. The same is true in relationship with anybody. If you are not creating quality time to develop intimacy, that does not exist in the relationship. And if that does not exist, you probably don't have relationship. Definitely not a deep one. Okay. Number seven, have each other's back no matter what. Have each other's back no matter what, even if the other person is wrong, okay? That way, publicly, there's never a doubt where you stand. And privately, if the person is wrong, you can confront that and you can address that in love behind the scenes. But publicly, you don't have to ever, you don't have to ever not have somebody's back, particularly not your partner, okay? So really know what it is to stand for somebody, if you don't really consider that, weigh that in your hearts. Number eight, remember that when you start being other things, so, you know, when you were just, quote unquote, <coughs> a daughter or a son or a friend, right? And then you added husband or you added wife, like you still are all those other all those other roles. So still make space for those. Of course, in the short term, you might not be able to nurture those in the same way, but think for the long term too. So for example, with 
parents, right? Yes, you're going to prioritize your kid, especially different in different seasons, your children. However, <laughs> your your children will grow up and they will leave. And you don't want to be with somebody that you no longer know because you never prioritize developing quality time in that relationship. Okay. Number nine, choose relationships from a healthy, conscious, whole place. Now, this requires knowing what you're looking for. Okay, so for example, there's a difference between right and right now. A lot of us, when we're impatient, we're desperate, and we're moved by fear, we choose for right now, which doesn't fit our future, and we have issues, lots of issues, later on. Okay, so get really clear. What is it that you're looking for? Now, you can also you can also ask these questions within an existing covenant relationship. What is it that you're looking for in, in terms of what are you looking to build now? Okay, like if the relationship is evolving, that means the old version of it's no longer going to work for the future. So what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you're going to build? Okay, you have to know you to know what you really need. So for example, I didn't really know me until moving several times and starting over right? Moving across the country several times and just starting over. I learned so much about myself or getting all of these different degrees and certifications. I had so much more information to assess, like, is this who I am? Is this what I, you know, what comes naturally, what doesn't? What do I need in my life? What don't I need in my life? From a lot of just like moving out of the environment that I grew up in and being willing to take risks and being willing to put myself in environments that were foreign and unknown and scary, right? I learned a lot about myself and particularly in an accelerated or maximized period of time so that when it comes to relationships, I'm very clear on what aligns with me and what doesn't and what I can give and what I can contribute and what I can bring to the table and maybe what I can't, right? And, and what my, you know, non-negotiables are. And there's usually not many of those for the record. I'll get to that in a second. And what, you know, my, my deal breakers are, okay? So you want to be able to choose from a healthy, conscious, whole place. But if you don't know who you are, that's really difficult to do. So prioritize creating some ways to get to know yourself, right? Hire a coach and start doing some of your inner work so you can discover who you are. Go on a self-discovery journey. It might initially be one of the most terrifying things that you ever do, but it's also one of the most liberating things and one of the most healthy things that you can do as well, okay? And then you can actually be clear on what it is that you're looking for, okay, and what it is that you need. Because what really starts to happen is you get a better understanding of what's driving you. So for example, a lot of people are driven by insecurity. And what happens is, is they bring out the worst in each other. Okay, so like a really submissive person could be partnered with a very domineering person and think that they're the perfect opposite attracts match when they're just trying to kill each other. Okay, that's actually not a healthy relationship at all because both are trying to manipulate and change each other. Okay, so that's not a healthy dynamic. So know what it is that's attracting you to this person. Like, are they safe? Are they really what you need? Is it something that you just kind of like right now? Or is that something that actually fits your future? These are things to actually consider before getting into a relationship. And then also if you are, you know, in a restoration or a redeeming journey with God in relationship, you can also ask these questions as well. Okay, so 
when you enter a relationship, something that's really important to think about is you are either going to contribute or you're going to contaminate based on what you bring when you show up. I hope somebody hears me on this one. When you enter in a relationship, you will either contribute to it or contaminate it based on what you bring when you show up. So if somebody were to ask me why one of the drivers for what I do today and how it is that I show up and pour my heart out, my spirit out, how I just get out of the way and let God work in coaching sessions and things is because I knew that I was exposed to a lot of contamination and I was exposed to a lot of trauma and a lot of pain, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion, a lot of questions, a lot of disappointment. Okay, now that, all of that at the end of the day stacked up for me and it was on me no matter how it happened to me, if it was my fault or not, it was my responsibility to heal. And if I did not do it, here's what I knew. If I did not do it, I would only contaminate my relationships and ultimately my future and what it is that I desired most in my life. And that would be a prison on earth. That would be hell on earth. I was already living in it and I did not want that. So as much as it was terrifying to change and to do this deep inner work, right? Where, where people might think that you're quote unquote wise beyond your years, all of that stuff. Well, wisdom comes at a price, okay? <laughs> so that was a huge driver. You know what? This is going to be hard. This is going to be scary. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm qualified to do it. I don't know if it's even going to be worth it, if I'm honest. And that is all very scary. And I don't even know how long it's going to take, which is also scary because I don't even think I got that kind of time because I, I just feel like I'm trying to catch up because I was so far behind before I even got to get started because I didn't have a really strong foundation to start from. Okay, so that's really heavy and really scary, but I could sit in that or I could say, you know what, I can start today and I can show up again tomorrow and the next day and just trust that I'm going to learn what I need to learn and that God is going to redeem the time. He's going to restore the years of the locusts of Eden. He's going to give me double for my trouble. I'm going to take God at his word and watch him work while I work also. Okay, so not, not easy at all. So I never minimize this work. This is why I show up for this work because I know how valuable it is, how important it is. And that's often why many people are hit early in their life because then they're just contaminated and they go out and they contaminate versus, right, being whole, being healed, becoming whole, being made new, taking that new creation self and actually walking that out every day, developing that every day. Fortunately, we don't have a lot of people that teach that practically, which is why I show up to do what I do as well because I don't want to contaminate. <laughs> I also want to equip and empower people to, to activate different outcomes in their life from a place of wholeness and radical transformation, okay? And that definitely is possible, but really keep that in mind. When you enter a relationship, you will either contribute or you will contaminate based on what you bring when you show up. So think about that before you get into a relationship. I have been willing in my life to take years off at a time between dating because I knew that my heart wasn't ready, because I knew that my mind wasn't in the right place, because I knew that I still had some healing work to do, like my heart was broken, right? I just knew that I had work to do and I, I would just attract or create and contaminate the same ways that I had done before, okay? So when you're able to actually heal, 
you can get to this place where you don't want, right? Where, where, let me say it this way. You'll get to this place where you don't quote unquote need a relationship, but you want one. And when you're in that position where you don't need a relationship to actually like fulfill your needs or to make you feel some kind of way, then you can actually contribute. So it's very, very important if you've not gone on a healing journey to do so and to just start. God will always provide your teachers or the resources or the programs, whatever it might be, the mentors, the leaders that you need to take that next step. Okay. So something that I recommend doing, this is another like pearl of wisdom. You're getting lots today. So I recommend screenshotting this episode (laughs) and going back and listening and taking notes or maybe listening again. But I recommend doing a relationship. This is This is deep, but hear me out. I recommend doing a relationship autopsy for all of your previous relationships. Okay, hear me out. You want to take a look at what caused the destruction of the relationship, but specifically what you did to contribute to the demise of the relationship. Okay, often we just try to blame other people. This person was so horrible. This person was a narcissist. This person will like, we'll just have our whole slew of like why we're justified in not being in that relationship. But we never take ownership of what we did because it takes two. We never take ownership of what we did to contribute to the demise of that relationship and then keep going on to contaminate. All right. So, you know, maybe you were overly passive, or maybe you were suspicious, or maybe you were domineering, or maybe you had an addiction that you hid, right? There could be things that happened that you contributed, okay, or contaminated. And it's really important to know that so you can own the role that you had and adjust so that you don't do it again, because then you actually have a chance of not repeating these old patterns in a new or in an existing relationship that's being redeemed, okay? Because God is a God of restoration and redemption, and he loves the covenant of marriage. So if you are in a marriage, you can still have a new relationship, okay? And if you're not in a marriage, this is something to think about differently because there's different things that come with, there's different protection and blessings and benefits that come from covenant that do not happen when you're operating outside of that. Okay, now... Another thing just to keep in mind here, this is just a keep in mind, not another point, but you are never going to find a perfect person, like somebody that 100% matches what it is that you desire. God also, hear me out, like you often hear like God said, this is my husband. Okay, like God might assure, like affirm that for you and uh, reinforce that for you in some kind of way. However, God does not decide for you, you do. You do. Like, you choose your partner, okay? You choose your partner. And God trusts you to choose the right partner and to evaluate them, all right? (laughs) So keep this in mind. You're not going to find a 100% perfect candidate, okay? You will likely find somebody that is 80%, okay? And you can grow the other 20% faster than you can find it, okay? So it's really important that you're clear on what your deal breakers are. So for example, I mentioned there's not too many of these. Like these are usually pretty obvious. Like if if you wouldn't 
if you knew these things were operating at the start and you wouldn't get into this relationship because of these, these are your deal breakers, okay? So for example, I grew up around alcohol abuse. So that is a deal breaker for me. Somebody that has a addiction of some kind, specifically alcohol, but like somebody that really causes a lot of like self-harm and is going through an addiction of some kind, that is a deal breaker for me. Okay, or physical abuse. That is a deal breaker. Okay, I don't have a ton of deal breakers, but there's some that are obvious to me. So for example, even if those are happening in the relationship, that enables me or like when I see that happening, I am allowed to leave. Okay, so I wouldn't get into the relationship if those things were happening and I would leave if those things became evident in the relationship. So for example, if somebody is not willing to get help for alcohol abuse, that is a reason to leave. All right. Okay, now, another example, if you are on this earth to be a mother, you wouldn't be with somebody who's not desiring children. You wouldn't do that. That would be a deal breaker there as well, okay? Now, the other thing, too, that's really important is see if there's compatibility in chemistry because you can't grow chemistry, all right? And really what, you, what you're trying to do when you're looking for love in the right places is focus on growth and supporting the quality of the relationship, not for how you can get somebody else to meet your needs and how you can control how they show up, okay? So just recap here. Looking for love in all of the wrong places is really forgetting that you are love and that you are an honorable person. Therefore, you can contribute love and you can honor other people, okay? And the more you practice that and get better at that, the quality of your relationships changes and who you attract into your life also changes as well, okay? Now, when we look for love in all the wrong places, what we're doing is we're trying to control, we're trying to manipulate, we're trying to get people to show up in the way that we think will make us happy without actually thinking about how we can contribute, what we can give, right? We're not looking at them the way God sees them. We're strictly focusing on us and our needs and what's not being met and how we can manipulate that person to meet our needs, okay? And we can never, humans will always let us down. We can never expect somebody to always meet our needs, ever. They will let you down every time, okay? But God is reliable and God is always the one that can have first place and guide you in how to get those needs met. He is provider and he can provide for all of your needs exceedingly abundantly above all you dare ask, think or imagine. But where we get it twisted is we try to go to other people to play God and we put them in the God spot in our life. Okay. And then we cause all of this unnecessary suffering and a lot of it is self-inflicted. Okay, and so when we're looking for love in all the wrong places, think about that. It's usually motivated by manipulation to get a need met or an insecurity or a fear or a lack of trust or a lack of intimacy, right? Majority of it is rooted in fear, okay? When we're in love, something very different flows out of us. So I just encourage you to think about that. Where are you looking for love, okay? And where can you adjust that? So for example, for me, Realizing that I too was looking for love in all the wrong places, I was like, oh, but like, who then is the author of love? Cool. Now we've got that straight. What happens if I don't know the author of love? (laughs) That also means that I don't know what love is. So there becomes my new assignment 
to get to know the author, the creator of love, and have a better understanding of what love actually is. Not what I've been conditioned to believe it is, that I don't keep giving conditional love, but I can actually develop unconditional love through experiencing that personally in my relationship with God, becoming full of that so then I can also give it and receive it in greater degrees. Okay, so that is also available to you, but it comes from being bold, brave, courageous enough to look at how you are actually looking for love in all the wrong places and how you can start adjusting to get full of love so you can actually contribute love in all the right places. All the right places being where God is inspiring you to to give, to contribute, to make an impact. Again, this is a muscle. And a great place to start is developing a culture of honor in your life. Honor God, honor yourself, and you'll honor other people. And that always starts in your mind, okay? So again, you're not honoring yourself when you have really nasty self-talk. And you can pray and ask God to help you be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to help God stabilize your emotions, help God heal your heart. Like these are things that you can practically pray for and work with God on, and God will bring the transformation, Okay, this is not something that you have to do a ton of self-effort on. God will guide you and bring about real transformation, okay, so that you can truly be his hands and feet in the world. So I hope this message provided a lot of context from the, the stories at the beginning there to some details about the culture of honor, even to some keys about how to set different standards in your relationships that you can really have a different quality of relationship in your life. I hope this message blessed you. If it did, make sure you like, comment, share. I love hearing your feedback. It's so great to hear and connect with you. So make sure to do that. You can also copy the link to this podcast and share it with a friend. All right, everybody, until next time. Bye.